Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Monday, December the 21st of 2020. Along with my brothers, Brother Marty and Brother Fernando, we are so excited and to be with you all, and we want to welcome you. We want to welcome you to another podcast today. Um, it's, uh, it's the beginning of what we call Christmas week. But uh, we are expecting a phenomenon that's going to take place today. And we're excited about what God has for us today. And we're going to be looking into the scriptures. And again, uh, we want to welcome our listeners. And thank you for spending time with us, studying the word of God, gleaning from the word of God, and this time of fellowship that we have that I think is more important more than ever before. As the saints of God, as the people of God, those that are hungry, come together and examine God's word, something always happens. So we want to get into the word of God and give ample time to the study of the word today. So I'll be leaving it to Brother Marty for you to share what God has placed in your heart today as we study the word of God together. Amen. Looking forward to today's broadcast as we begin uh, this week of celebration uh, amongst our families and have set aside the time really to to uh, to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Um, although, as we look into the week, the week begins with what we are going to be exploring today, which is something incredibly fascinating and something that quite possibly is alerting us to what lies ahead in, in the coming days as we close out 2020 and head into 2021. Today is the winter solstice, December the 21st. And this evening, if you're in the West, from about four o'clock to seven o'clock at night, uh, in the in the southwestern skies, if you look up in the sky, what you'll see is a conjunction of two planets, Jupiter and Saturn, and uh, they will be uh, conjoining closer than they have been in over eight hundred years. For eight centuries, no one has seen this kind of a a conjunction. But the precise date that it's happening on. And as we'll get into uh, the constellation that it's rising into and where it'll head afterwards is is quite possibly very telling to us. As we look to the heavens, as Jesus commanded us to, he said that there would be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars. And so today we're going to uh, be studying this great conjunction of 2020. And we pray that you'll be blessed. I'm going to ask Brother Jeremy uh, if he'll just read to us one scripture as we begin in Matthew chapter 2. And beginning with the, uh, let's see here. Go ahead and read verse 9 through 11, Brother Jeremy, and we'll start right there. Okay, so start with uh, verse 9 through 11. Yeah, that's where we left off on Friday pretty much. Yes. Amen. When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. 
gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Lord, we thank you for your word in Jesus' name. You know, in the modern era, really in the in this 21st century of vaunted scientific discovery and technological advance, in, in all our dry explanations of the material world and so forth, you know, there there really is yet within the heart what King Solomon said, or what he called eternity in the heart. Something that he described as a particular act of God, he said that God has set eternity in their heart. That's Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. It, it's that part of all of us, of all men, that that yet is moved to great awe and wonder uh, when his eyes are turned toward the heavens. And really, this response isn't without reason, you know, because the Lord himself told us that the very, you know, from the very beginning concerning the heavens and the stars in Genesis, he said, let there be lights in the firmaments of the heavens. Let them be for signs, he said, for signs. And in Genesis 1.15, he said, let, let them be for lights in the firmament of the heavens. And then he used this phrase, to give light upon the earth and it was so and so we've been exploring these uh these truths these these things that god spoke to job about when he mentioned what what you'll find in, in job 38 the mazarot as we talked about at length last week which represents the 12 constellations in the heavens each one inscribed as brother fernando pointed out last week in in, in what he was sharing with us that it seems to indicate that what God actually did uh, with the fabric of space itself in the visible arc of the sky is he inscribed up there by means of the constellations, the pictures in the 12 quadrants of the sky, really, because there's 12 constellations, that he intended uh, to express to us uh, the gospel and the stars, really. We encourage you to go back and listen to our series from last week to get caught up in case you're just joining us. But as we go into this conjunction today and we look at it uh, in the in the tail end of our Bible study here, I began to meditate this morning on these things and 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 the Lord directed me to a particular passage in Scripture, I believe, by the Spirit. Uh, and I and I read through it and I began to to meditate on the fact that you know, when he was when the Lord was speaking to Father Abraham after the battle of the five kings after he rescued lot um and, and then the king of sodom tried to give abraham all the spoils of war and and abraham refused and uh, and said i will not take a as much as a shoelace from you lest you say that you're the one who's prospered abraham he said i've lifted my hand unto heaven and uh, and then they parted ways after he met with melchizedek the Lord revealed something to Abraham after that event. Um, he revealed himself to Abraham in an extraordinary revelation, really. Uh, and the Lord used the Mazarot. He used the stars in heaven. And so I want to begin by looking at, at what was being said there. It's, it's very relevant to what we're talking about. So let's take a look over there, if you wouldn't mind, Brother Jeremy, and turning over to <clears throat> Genesis chapter 5. I'm mean, excuse me, 15, uh, verse 5. And if you could read that to us, that would be great. Amen. And he brought him forth abroad 
and said, Look now toward heaven, and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And then verse 6, I'm sorry, could you read verse 6 too? And he believed in the Lord, and he counted it to him for righteousness. This is a very old uh, account in this historical narrative. How the Lord had called Abraham out from Ur of the Chaldees. Uh, we're, we're told by the scholars that his father, Abraham's father, Terah, was, a, was an idol maker. Uh, that was the, the family business, that he made idols and uh, they worshipped the sun, the moon, and the stars. And that it was from that particular geographical territory up in, in Ur there in Mesopotamia uh, that, that Abraham received the call to go out and to follow God, not knowing where he went, the Bible tells us, but he went by faith and obeyed the Lord. And through a series of events, uh, God was leading him to the promised land. And after parting ways with his nephew Lot, uh, who ended up in Sodom and Gomorrah, like we, like we said, that there was a war with the five kings, which you can read in, in uh, chapter 14 of Genesis. <clears throat> after the war, like we said, uh, and, and Abraham rescued rescued and uh, his his nephew and even the king of Sodom was re rescued by him uh, he parts ways with them and 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 he refuses to uh you know to accept anything at the hand of the king of Sodom and Abraham told told the king in verse 22 like we just quoted <laughs> to the king of Sodom he said I've lifted up my hand unto the Lord the most high God the possessor of heaven and earth and I will not take a thread even to a shoe latchet I will not take anything that's yours, unless you should say, I made Abraham rich. Now, after this event in chapter 15, it's very interesting how God reveals himself to Abraham. He begins to take him into a level uh, that I think we overlook uh, really what's going on here. And in context with what we're talking about, about the signs in the heavens, when you actually begin to break down what God did, it's interesting. Number one, in verse five, like Brother Jeremy just read, it says that it's the Lord who intervened and, and brought him forth uh, abroad and, and then tells Abraham, look now, in verse 5, toward heaven and tell the stars. If you be able to number them, he said, this is what your seed will be or so shall thy seed be. So it's very interesting. And, and when you begin to break down uh, the words. Uh, it's quite amazing because first he tells him to look now toward heaven. So really, God is giving him instruction to look into the sky and to pay attention. That's really what it means that the word look, it means to pay attention, to regard, and to consider what you're seeing up there. Just it's the same kind of language he used uh, when he talked to Job, right? Do you know the ordinance of heaven? Can you set their dominion in the earth? He's telling Abraham to, to look, to, to pay attention, to regard, to consider. And then he says, uh, toward the heavens. And he goes on to tell him, uh, he says this, and tell the stars if you're able to number them. So let's break that down because it's very interesting. As I began to research the words, the word tell the stars. The word tell comes from the word uh, kafar, 
And what's interesting is it's the same word that King David used in Psalm 19, where it says, the heavens declare the glory of God. So it's the word kafar. And literally what he was asking Abraham to do is very interesting. Because the word kafar means to enumerate, like we shared uh, in our podcast last week. It means to not only count them, but to recount them, to recount as if telling a story, to relate the stars like a learned man, like a scribe. So right away he begins to take Abraham out, and it's almost like he's getting a re-education, if you think about it, brothers, because he came out of his father's house uh, where he was brought up in a household that worshipped the stars, the sun, the moon, making idols to them, the moon god, all that stuff they talk about in the history books. And it's as if God at this point in his life now begins to move and re-educate him and begin to tell him to look into the heavens, but not just to, you know, in some sort of poetic, uh, you know, language that he's using with Father Abraham here. He's actually telling him, look, in other words, pay attention to what's up there, not as you've, not as you've known in the past, but now begin to consider it. Tell the stars. The word tell actually is kafar, like we said, same word that King David used, declare. In other words, he was telling him to look up there and to relate what he sees, to understand what he's looking at, to enumerate it, and to learn it like a, like a wise scribe, uh, someone who, who understands what's written. That's very interesting because we're looking at the heavens and have been for the last several days leading up to today, which is a very significant date. And we've been laying scriptural foundation for our listeners so that they'll they'll understand that the position that we're taking right now is a prophetic position that has to do with the second return or the se- or the second coming of the Lord. But we're continuing to give you examples of how God has directed his servants to look to the heavens, but to look at them with wisdom and to understand what it is that they're actually saying. That's what he told Abraham, tell the stars. And so <laughs> the word stars is very interesting, the way the Lord uses it. Could you read the word stars, brother? Do you have your, your little uh, Hebrew yes. interpreter thing there? What, yes. what was he telling him? Now, before this, to understand this, he says, enumerate them, count them, retell what you're seeing, relate what you're seeing, do it as a learned man or a scribe, the stars. What does the word stars mean? It means in this uh, probably in the same sense of rolling, in the sense of blazing. Uh, you want me to go deeper into the uh, yes, because rolling, going. blazing, a as uh, a star as round or as shining, a prince, gaze, stargazer, speaks of Messiah. There you go. Uh, brothers, and, youth. Yes, brothers, numerous progeny, right? Youth. Yes. Personification of God's omniscience, right? Doesn't it also say that? Yes, it does. That's powerful. Yes. So this is yes. actually what he was telling Abraham. You go now. He brings him forth and shows him the story in the sky, and 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 it means all that. These blazing stars have deeper meaning, and he and the word for stars is the word kokab. I guess that's how you would say it. It, but he was beginning to tell him the story of the Messiah and and, and also how the Messiah and, and the stars tell the story of his brothers, tell the story of numerous progeny. In other words, 
many children that will be born as a result of the Messiah. And that this is all being done under God's omniscience. In other words, he knows the beginning from the end. He knows all things. And he's approaching Abraham at this level. He's taking him into the realm of of the most mysterious yet prophetic events that are yet to transpire in the far-flung future. And so he says, if you're able, it's very interesting there. Uh, Could you look at the word able, Brother Jeremy? And what is he actually telling him? He's telling them a primitive root to be able, literally, can, could, morally, may, might, be able, any at all, attain, endure, overcome, Mm -hmm. prevail, endure. uh, So it's a very interesting language, right? I mean, look what he's telling him. He says, uh, look to the heavens. Look to the stars, which are telling you a story about, uh, which has always been legendary throughout all cultures from the beginning of time, of this promised Messiah that would come. He, he particularly uh, selects Abraham from his, from his father. And then he takes him at, at a particular point in his life and then accelerates his understanding, the purpose for what he uh, you know, called him out to begin with. When we think about the book of Hebrews, if you think about it in chapter 11, it says that Abraham uh, saw a city, right, whose builder and maker is God. There's so much up there that he he began to to understand. Now, listen, this progression of Abraham's understanding and God accelerating it took a lifetime from this point until the time that Isaac is actually born. What God is teaching him is about the coming Messiah and that it was written in the stars and that this was being done under God's total and complete omniscience. He he knows everything. But then he says something to him, almost as if he's revealing to him that it's going to require something of his self. He says, if you are able, literally meaning if you prevail in this thing that you're going to understand as you as you meditate on what I'm showing you, as you begin to properly understand what I have inscribed in the heavens, has to do with the Messiah. And he says it's going if you're able, if you can overcome, if you have the ability and the strength, and you can prevail in this test that's being revealed to you in the heavens. And and you're able to number them. That means enumerate. The, it's the same word, right, Brother Jeremy? It's the word kafar, the word number. Yes, let me look it up here. Yes, kafar. It's the same word. It means to enumerate, to count. It means to score, to, to count, to record, yes, right? to enumerate. Yeah, it's like a story is what he's telling them, to relate mm-hmm. what you see. So <laughs> literally what he did was take him and then begin to give him a revelation of what God himself in his all-knowing self, his omniscience, pre-recorded in the heavens ever Abraham had ever looked up and seen it in the right way. And so he brings him out and says, you're, you're going to need to look toward the heavens. First of all, he says, he's taking him to the next level in his understanding. And what he was telling him is there, pay attention to what's up there, regard it, consider it. 
It's more than just go out there and start going one, two, three, four. That's not what mm-hmm. he was saying to him, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. That's that's mm-hmm. that's kind of how, right? What were you gonna say? No, and I think it's interesting. Interesting what you brought up at the beginning as you were talking, brother Abraham. Uh, that that Abraham comes from a background. His father was an idol worshiper, so they yeah. worship all these, you know, moons and so forth. But God had to re-educate him, right? <laughs> And and yeah. retell and tell them this, and I think that's very important. As as God is taking, um, you know, which you know, I've never seen it this way. What 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 we're pointing out right now, and tell the stars, recount. There's a story, and like you said, because we usually read this, and that's that's what we think, right? One, two, yeah. three. That means we can't count. No, it's telling you something much. That's what you're saying. He's telling Abraham something much deeper. There's yeah. something contained in it, hidden for you. If you search it. Yes, and, and it's really a beautiful thing. It's connected to the gospel and the stars, what God wrote up there. As we get along in this brief little side note that we're taking, it's going to make sense as we finish our Bible study today and go through it. Because the whole thing has been written. Remember what the Bible says, that that <laughs> that the Lord, uh, it, it gives a, a whole different meaning to us when we consider it from the point of view that the Lamb was slain right before the foundation of the earth mm. so it's possible what's being revealed there is 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 that he was slain in the sense that that the story of it was inscribed before the earth was even a habitable thing that is the universe itself was already established and then comes the earth into its completed form as he intended it to be and and that's for another day but but there's something else here, what you were just mentioning, which made me think, because he came out of a, an idol worshiper's house. Um, look what he promises him in chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Can you read that to us real quick? Yes. Uh, chapter 12 of Genesis, right? Yeah. 12, 1 and 2. Now the Lord had said unto Abram, get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. In many ways, what we're seeing here is the gospel story. What God was telling Abraham was that you have a father, but he's an idol worshiper. I want you to leave that house. And everything that you have been dependent on from your old father, I'm going to give to you. I'm going to become your father. That's what he's telling him. Get out of your country. That's his identifying nationality. Get away from your relatives and get away from your father's house. And then he goes on to say, I'll make you a great nation. That's the church. I will bless you. You know, you're you're no longer going to be dependent on an inheritance from an idol person, an idol worshiper. You're going to be inher- uh, dependent on an. In- you're going to be an inheritor of the very heavens themselves, a land that I will show thee through Christ, through your seed. And that's why he goes on what we were just reading when he brings him out to show him the story in the heavens. He's telling him, look, if you will, if you will truly understand what you're seeing, and then prevail through the revelation knowledge that's going to be given to you. He didn't know what that truly was but what he was indicating to him was that if you'll study what 
what is the truth about what the real father has written in the heavens, not what your father told you, but what I'm telling you. What you're going to figure out is that there is a promised Messiah coming. And, and, and you're going to figure out that he is going to have to suffer, die, but he'll be resurrected. And it's going to require, because it's connected to you, Abraham, that you prevail if you're able, if you can prevail, endure, have ability, have strength, and prevail over this incredible test that's coming your way. He goes, you, uh, and, and, and that you'll be able to tell others like a story what it is that you've seen. He said, so shall thy seed be. So what he was literally saying in verse in verse 5 after that, is that your seed, in other words, the Messiah that, you, that you're learning about, he says, in this manner, or so, that's what the word means, it means in this manner, your offspring, your seed, it comes from the Hebrew word zark, it, and it literally means something that is sown and produces numerous offspring. Just as was revealed in the stars to him by what the Lord showed him. In other words, uh, that's what he was seeing up there. That the promised seed was going to come and that he was going to be sown. And that the result of him being sown into the earth is what the heavens were telling him. That, that a numerous offspring would spring forward. And, and that would be that great nation that he promised him way back in chapter 12. And so he, he may not have fully understood everything because he was just beginning, but God was challenging him to take himself deeper in the things that God was revealing to him. And, and we know from the Genesis that it was a process with Father Abraham. But listen, it, it began Father Abraham's incredible knowledge. Remember, remember what Jesus said when he spoke to the Pharisees? Remember what he said concerning Father Abraham? When they told Jesus, let's take a look at that. I think that's John chapter 8. You guys remember where that is? In John chapter 8. Jump, jump in at any time. I think it's important that we quote this. John chapter 8. Let's see. I think that's where it is. Yeah. When they're arguing over who the Lord is, and, and he tells them... Uh, that before Abraham was, that I am, right? Yes. And and they begin to fight with him, and they and they tell him uh, in verse fifty-two, John chapter eight, verse fifty-two. What do they tell him? Then said the the Jews unto him, Now we know that thou has a devil. Abraham is dead, and the prophets. And thou sayest, If a man keep my sayings, he shall never taste. Of death? Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? The prophets are dead. Mm. Who are you making yourself out to be? And mm. Jesus says what in verse 54 and 55, Brother Jeremy? If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my father that honoreth me, or whom ye say, of whom ye say that he is your God. Yet ye have not known him, but I know him. And if I should say, I know him not, I shall be a liar like unto you. But I know him and keep his saying. Verse 56. Listen to what he says right here. Read this real slow, brethren. 
Your father, Abraham, rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. How did he see it? How did he see his day? He saw it in the heavens. Yes. That's what he's referring to. And he goes on to tell them in verse 57 and 58, what, Brother Jim? Then said the Jews unto him, Thou art not yet fifty years old, and hast thou seen Abraham? Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Before Abraham was, I am. I am. And he takes to himself the title of God right there, right? So when he says in verse 56, Abraham uh, saw my day. And he was glad. That That's why God took Abraham and began that process of showing him the day of Messiah, his promised seed from heaven. We know from the book of Galatians that the, the seed of Abraham, uh, though in the natural was Isaac, Paul says the seed of Abraham was actually the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this is what, what God began to do by directing his attention to pay attention to Revelation in the heavens. That's why when Jesus talks about signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, he's simply telling us that we are to look up and pay attention to these things and to know that God is speaking. And 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 remember, this requires wisdom of the Lord and revelation of the Holy Spirit and due diligence and 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 scholarship. You know, God's not just gonna pour this stuff stuff out on you if you're if you're not gonna take the time to pursue the knowledge that he wants to give. That's why he told Abraham, if you can tell the stars, if you can understand what it is that's being revealed and then be able to retell it, and in other words, preach the gospel of it, he says, and if you can, if you can go on to, uh, uh, you know, enumerate them or number them, same word, he says, something, a miraculous thing would take place there. He said, you will be the one by which what you see up in the stars, which proclaims that the, the Messiah is coming, he says, you will be the one selected by which uh, in the natural, so to speak, his seed will come. He will come through you and through your family line. That's incredible. Any thoughts on that? <laughs> incredible. Really? Yeah. What do you think? What do you see? Well, we see Abraham, uh, you know, God showing him from Genesis 15. Like, I, I've never had seen that connection uh, from what we read right now in John chapter 8 when he speaks about, and Abraham saw my day. How did he see yeah. it? How did he see you it? You know, it, Genesis 15 tells us how he did. By acquiescing yeah. to what God told him, look to the stars. They will tell you a story. That's why he was able to see beyond, hallelujah, I sense his presence. He was able to see beyond um, his day <laughs> yeah. because he saw yeah. it written in the heavens. That, that, that's tremendous, brother. Yeah, and by the time Abraham's son, if you think about it, by the time Abraham's son Isaac was born, his understanding of the gospel in the stars is what allowed him, uh, when God asked him to sacrifice his own son, remember? Yes. He was That's he was amazing. willing to do it, right? He was wow. willing to do it. And and wow. and <laughs> the reason he was willing to do it because it was written and he knew what God was telling him. 
But yeah, remember, he says, says, go ahead, brother. Brother, brother. Yeah, because he says something to the effect of he's able to, to raise him up. Oh, right? Didn't he say something like that yeah. at the end? He's able to, to raise him up. But what did he see? In Talking the book about of Hebrews. Yes. yes, it says that Abraham's faith was so great. It said that even if he went on to offer Isaac, he said he received him as resurrected from the dead, from the ashes, is what he said. Hallelujah. Incredible. That's what he yeah. saw. And and so by the time he gets to that place, he has spent almost 30 years studying the gospel in the stars. That's why when you read the account in Genesis chapter 22, when God says, take your only son and go offer him, you don't read like they put it in the movies and preachers like to preach, oh, he struggled, he fought, you know, but he had he, he overcame. No, not really. I mean, by that time, from the, what the book of Hebrews tells us, he was so full of God and so full of the revelation. Look what he tells Go over there, Brother Jeremy, in chapter 22. What does he tell his servants? Uh, he says, uh, in, verse, uh, in verse 13, wait a minute. Let's take a look when they're on their way there. Let me take a look here. Uh, when he tells his, he takes them and he says, yeah, okay. Look, on the third day, Abraham sets off with Isaac, and it's interesting. It's the third day, right? That's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. But read verse 4 and 5. Then, on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. See that? Mm-hmm. He knew wow. he was fully willing. But see, we don't see struggle here anymore. There might have been early on, you know, what he endured, what he prevailed over <laughs> were all the circumstances of his life. But by the time he gets to this, he knows already. That's what's being told me in the heavens. And and so he tells his his uh, his servants, we're going up to the mountain and we're both coming back. <laughs> <That's awesome>. Hallelujah! <laughs> he, right? He knew. Yeah. And then, and then he also knew what the heavens tell the story of the coming ram. You know, in modern zodiac names for the ram in the heaven, it, it's it's Aries. That's what they call it. Aries is the ram in the heaven. When he lays uh, the wood and and on on Isaac's back, and they begin to climb Mount Moriah, Isaac asks him. Um, in verse 7, what does he tell his father? Verse 7. And Isaac spoke unto, spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father. And he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And what, is, what does he tell him in verse 8? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb. For a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. Hallelujah. He yeah. told him God's going to provide a lamb. How did he know that? How did he know that? It's written mm-hmm. in the heavens. We ain't get, this is not yeah. the platform. Go ahead, brother. No, we, it's, it's quite fascinating because we see the, uh, the ability and minds of, of the forefathers of the faith. Um, in the ability to understand 
the, the zodiac or the you know the stars and, and the planetary alignments and cycles. I mean, you look at Jacob, you know, in, in Genesis 49, you see his great ability of yeah. understanding um, the the what we're talking about here, the, the constellations, mm-hmm. right? So the question is, who did he learn that from? Mm-hmm. He, he's talking at a very, very high level as, as almost an, as an expert concerning these things when when uh, he applies a. a uh, some of the zodiac imagery, as they call it, right to yes. to uh, his children. Yes. Well, when you study Abraham uh, and the way the Lord is talking to him about counting or interpreting the 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 signs in the heaven in the heavens, it seems to imply that he already has some kind of ability. Yes. Uh, work and, knowledge, because, right? Yeah. Yeah, because. We know that when you study uh, his background, that his father was an idol maker. So in order, yeah. in order for that, you have to understand, uh, you know, the 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 the, the constellations and, and the stars and so forth and so on. You have to understand all those things. So it, it implies that he already has some kind of understanding, albeit uh, corrupted because it was paganism. Yeah. But it's like God takes that ability. That he that he already has, and begins to show him how to truly interpret uh, what he's seen in the heavens. Yes. Right. right. And then yeah, so forth and so that. on. And and then he, and he teaches his sons, and that's why when Jacob speaks in Genesis forty-nine, he's talking at such a deep level, like a man who's understanding and learning these things. Right. And where where do we think he got this knowledge? Right. <laughs> it was yeah. handed down, right? It, obviously, Abraham and Isaac, and then Jacob, right? And then he he prophesied, and even Joseph, right? He he yeah, he, right. he he saw what the 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 sun, the moon, and the twelve stars. Mm-hmm. He's ta- he's referencing. That's why they got mad at him. Remember when they got mad at him? And they said, "Wait, we we're gonna bow down to you?" You know, they knew who mm-hmm. they were. Jacob said the same thing. Me and your mother? Are you kidding me? That's not how I interpret it, <laughs> right? <laughs> Who are right. you? Because Joseph was the type of Christ, right? So this this is incredible. So and again, another thing that go ahead, brother, uh-huh. another good example that I found, at least the way I interpret it, it's in uh, Hebrews eleven nineteen when it speaks about Abraham. It says that accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from yeah. the dead. From whence also he received him in a figure. In other words, he was able to compare it to something. Hallelujah. Yeah. To put it, he, yeah. he was able to get that belief from something. What was he comparing it to? Right? What was that figure what, he saw? Yeah. Hallelujah. What was the figure? And, it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> it, it's the heavens, man. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. My God, God you know, that's powerful, man, and, and that, that's how God talks, right? Now, one thing we need to understand is what happens. What happens when the Lord says, stops him? He was fully willing to go through with it. But what does he see in verse 13? God tells him in verse 12 and 13. Go read read both, would you? Yes. And he said, let not thy hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, 
thine only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. Now, to the untrained eye, this is a great story, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, right? He's caught in the thicket. The thorn bush is what the rabbis say the ram was caught in. They placed a crown of thorns on the Lord's head. But if you want to take it deeper and you want to see why Abraham was so moved by what he saw and, and where it was located, notice what it says, first of all, in verse 13. It says he lifted up his eyes. Number two, it says he looked, and what? Behind him, there was a ram caught in the bush. Abraham takes the ram and offers that ram. For those of you who aren't familiar with this, these profound things that God has put as nuggets in his word here, and from the perspective, we're talking about the Mazarot, the, 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 the Gentiles call it the, the Zodiac, the oldest and original pictures that the ancients drew have come down to us in the 21st century completely corrupted. But this too is a work of the devil because he doesn't want people to figure out God wrote this thing in the heavens. And so consider this, what he saw behind him was a ram. And, and, and this is powerful because when you look in the heavens, that's exactly what's up there. Listen, when the Gentiles who have corrupted the knowledge of the 12 houses of the Mazarot, they call them the Zodiac, in the heavens, they begin their cycle with Aries, the ram. But God doesn't begin the cycle with Aries, the ram. In the ancient Hebrew scholarship of these things, when you study them out, they identify Virgo as the starting point. And so what that would mean is that it begins with the virgin, and we ain't got time to go into all of this, but it's going to conclude with the ram. In other words, the virgin who gives birth to a child, his destiny is to become a ram or a sacrifice for the whole world. Now, remember that he's called Aries uh, in, the, uh, in the Gentile language, but in the Hebrew, he's known as Taleh. Uh, the ram or the lamb in the sky. That's taleh in the Hebrew. In 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 the Gentile language, it's called Aries, but it, it's a ram in the sky. Now, here's the interesting thing. When it says Abraham uh, lifted up his eyes and behind him, so that means that looking forward, he has to turn around behind him in order to see the lamb. Brothers, if you study it out, that's exactly the picture in the sky. If Abraham was in the sky looking forward and the first constellation he would see is the Virgo, the virgin in the sky. But if he was able in the sky to turn himself around and look behind him, he would see a ram. God set the dominion of it in the earth. He brought the picture from the sky and he made it happen on that day on Mount Moriah. And I think that's why that's why Abraham called it Jehovah Jireh in verse fourteen. Read that, brother Jeremy. And Abraham called the name of the of that place Jehovah Jireh, as it is said to this day. 
in the mount of the Lord, it shall be seen. It shall be seen. What's going to be seen? What he saw in heaven. On this Mount Moriah, you, that's when you'll see it. And you'll know that that you have actually prevailed and now your seed is going to come through you. That's why he goes on and then and then God appears and, and gives him an enlargement of the second uh, part of his covenant in verse 16 through 18. Read that to us. And said, by myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thy own son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven. And nah, as nah. the sand, <laughs> which nah, is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. And, and, in thy, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice. Praise God. So now we see that when he's talking to... To Job, like we talked about last week, and he said, "Can you set those ordinances and 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 make them have dominion in the earth?" That's what we're witnessing here. This profound connection between the revealed arc of the visible sky, where God engraved into the very fabric of space the story, He is able to bring it down and set the dominion in motion upon the earth. He's headed somewhere. And it began with this precious Father Abraham. Like you said, Brother Fernando, so astutely there when you pointed out, he had a working knowledge, corrupted from a pagan father, but then brought into absolute uh, refinement and clarity from his heavenly father. And the connection to the outpouring of the gospel and the dominion of God's will in the earth was set in motion by Father Abraham. The gospel itself begins in Matthew, Jesus Christ, son of David, son of Abraham. Incredible. <laughs> he saw him in a bush, right, behind him. And you go look at that, and what you'll see when you look at the star charts is if you're facing Virgo directly behind you, is a ram. I think this is language that the Holy Spirit is using at a much deeper level for us to understand things on a much grander scale. What Abraham saw, what Isaac and Jacob, even the Lord knew, of course, he points us to it. The signs in the heavens are revelation in the skies, written by the finger of our Heavenly Father. You know, like we talked about the other day, just to again reiterate, uh, like Brother Fernando just mentioned, you know, in Genesis 49, um, that's how Jacob lays out his prophecies, identifying each and every member of the 12 tribes of Israel with a particular corresponding house of stars in the sky, the constellation. When he got to Judah, he referenced the constellation of Leo. And we spoke about this in our podcast on Friday, right? When the, when the wise men said, we have seen his star, or en Anatoly, at the rising of the sun, and we talked at length, what they saw in Leo, the identifying constellation in the heaven, was, was the star Regulus, which is where we get our name Regal or royalty from. 
and the planet or the king planet, king star, if you will, Jupiter. It moved into the house of Leo, which identified it with the tribe of Judah. It came and conjoined with Regulus, the star between the feet of Leo and the heaven. So the king planet came to the king star in the house of Judah. And we know from that, as we talked about on Friday, that's what set the wise men off. Again, they were paying attention to the heavens. That occurred somewhere around 3 BC, for the end, latter end of 4 BC, heading into 3 BC. Somewhere in September <clears throat> or so, they say, or March, from March to September in there, that's what they saw and they set off. By simply studying the constellations, the pictures in the universe, in the visible arc of the sky, God was prophesying to the wise, they're called wise men, right, on the face of the earth. What else did Abraham see up there? We'll just be quick with a couple of these, but look, uh, there's Virgo in the sky. I just want to give you a familiar understanding of what's actually being set up there. What do we see? And you can go Google these things yourself, but go back to the ancient star charts because you're going to find a lot of corruption in the modern day with all these astrologers and psychics and stuff who have distorted what God wrote up there. Go back to the most ancient of star charts uh, from e Egyptian times, really from the, the zodiac of Nandera, uh, which is where uh, the, the Hebrews call it the, the, the Mazarot. Those pictures are the original ancient pictures written in the sky. And so one of them is Virgo. And if you actually study the picture of Virgo, what you'll see is it's a, it's a virgin in the sky. And in her right hand, she's holding a branch. And in her left hand, uh, she's holding an ear of wheat. So what they knew that was being foretold is that a virgin uh, will give birth to the one known as the branch and that he will come down. That's what the left hand means. He will come down and, and, and the result of him coming down into the earth is to produce a, a, a harvest of wheat, right? Lift up your eyes for the fields are white for harvest now. Jesus said, except a seed or a kernel of seed falls into the ground and dies, it abides alone, a kernel of wheat. But if it if it dies, it will it will spring forth and bear much fruit. That's what the virgin in the sky is holding. The branch from heaven comes down and produces much fruit, the wheat. Then there's the mystery of Taurus or the bull, which is really intense if you study it out. In the Hebrew, it's not called Taurus, it's called Shor. And, and the meaning of that word is the ox or, or the one who is coming to rule. Now, I talked to you about these side reel pieces. In other words, each constellation has three smaller constellations attached to it. God did that to further our understanding of what he was saying. There, the, 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 there are stars in Taurus or in Shor, the ox the coming ruling one. Uh, one is called, and I'm using the Aramaic here, but it's uh, Al-Debaran. Al-Debaran. It means the leader. The other star is called Al-Sion. It means the center of the Sukkot. This is Hebrew now. The center of the Sukkot. And then there's Ayades, which is where uh, they, the congregated are. And then there's the Pleiades, which is in that shore or in this picture in the sky of Taurus. Uh, it means the accumulation or the seven stars of heaven. And so what's being revealed is that 
uh, one is coming, a servant, the ox, right? He's the one who plows mm -hmm. the field. He's a ruler. Uh, the first star is, it reveals he's a leader. The second star reveals he is at the center of the Sukkot, that is the booth. It's referencing the Lord in the center of his people in the, in the wilderness. Remember when they built the tabernacle? He was the center. That's what that word means in the Bible where it says, blessed are they who dwell under the shadow of the Almighty. It's referencing the glory cloud of God in the wilderness that was in the center of the camp. That's what's being told up there. A servant is coming. He's a ruler. He's the leader. He is the heart or the center of all things. And, and unto him you will be congregated. But also so will the Pleiades. That's part of, 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 the, of the ox in the sky is the Pleiades. So you'll have the congregated of Israel being joined with seven sisters in the sky. That's the Gentile church. That's what God was prophesying. It's incredible. The deeper you go into it, there's those three decans we were talking about that are in shore or Taurus in the sky, what God was saying. One of them is Orion which means the coming prince. The other one is uh, Eridanus, which means the river of judgment. And then the other one is, is Origa. That's, I'm giving you all the Greek terms, but it literally means the kid or the shepherd over the sheep. So basically what he's saying uh, as it plays itself out is that there is a coming prince uh, and he will bring judgment and he will become the shepherd of his flock after the judgment. It's associated with the tribe of Joseph. That was Joseph's sign in the heavens, the shore, or Taurus, as they call it in, 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 in modern day. Now, as we're making our way to, to this, today's conjunction, I couldn't, I couldn't do it without <laughs> coming to uh, something astounding. And I haven't shared these things. I've been studying these things for years. I really haven't shared them at length. I've talked to you brothers about them, but it's the first time we've ever really recorded these things. So I'm hoping that you're being blessed out there and learning some things, but it, it really matters that we're laying and explaining these things as we head to today's conjunction. We're almost there, but I wanted to stop and, 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 re and reveal something to you about crucifixion day. Because remember, if you want to look at it in a very spiritual way, when Abraham took Isaac up Mount Moriah, uh, that was Isaac's crucifixion day. It, that's what it was a pattern of or a foreshadow of the crucifixion of the Lord. And on crucifixion day, something extraordinary happened in the heavens. And, and what you'll see and what we're going to share with you right now is the same pattern that happened on the earth. When Abraham turned behind and he saw a ram in the bush, symbolic of Ares, or the ram in the sky that would, that would lay down his life um, for the whole world. It's incredible what happened because uh, Crucifixion Day, actually, uh, the best they know from, <laughs> uh, and these are the dates, and you can look them up yourselves. The actual official day of crucifixion was on April the 3rd. Uh, 33 AD, and and it occurred at 3:01 p.m., which, by the way, happens to be the evening sacrifice. This is Passover. Remember, the rabbis would kill the Passover at the evening sacrifice, the Passover lamb. Jesus was crucified precisely when the when the high priest was killing the Passover lamb in the temple. Jesus 
was was giving up his spirit at three o'clock in the afternoon at exactly the same time that the sacrifice in the temple was being crucified. Something interesting happened on that very moment. Uh, the star in Aries, the ancient star, is, is called El Nas. All you got to do is get yourself a computer program and, and input all this stuff. You'll see. It's quite amazing. Um, it was directly overhead at 3.01 p.m. If you could have uh, gone into the heavens, what you will see is that directly overhead Jerusalem and overhead that territory of, of the time of the crucifixion was the star of El Nas. El Nas, uh, its its actual meaning is the wounded one or the slain one. And it just happened to be directly overhead in the constellation of Aries, the slain ram was directly over the head of Jesus up in the sky in, in the in, in the universe. That's what was happening over over Jerusalem at the time. And and so God was setting the actual dominion of what he had been proclaiming before the foundation of the world would happen. And the sun was was made darkened. I want to I want to read you something here because it's quite extraordinary. Um, uh, there's a really good DVD out there uh, on the Christmas star. I don't agree with everything the guy has to say, and I have my own reasons for it. But he has some really interesting information in there. Uh, it's called uh, the Star of Bethlehem, and in and in this particular uh, moment I'm talking to you about on Crucifixion Day, uh, he discovered in his in his computer algorithm that what one would have seen uh is that the moon would be eclipsed and 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 if you were standing on the moon the earth would be eclipsing the sun precisely when jesus is dying and as the sunlight is shielded the stars around calvary would come out if you've ever been in a total eclipse which is a rare event which we were in 2017 my family and i we were up in idaho uh, right in the direct path of the moving of of, uh, of the solar eclipse, a full solar eclipse. And what happened uh, is exactly uh, what what this brother is describing happened on Calvary. Um, when the sun was eclipsed, um, you could see the stars in heaven. It was quite a display. It was awe-inspiring to see it. Well, apparently this happened. Uh, as the sunlight was shielded, the stars became visible overhead. And on that particular moment, at that particular time, over Jerusalem, over Calvary, over the Middle East, the constellation Aries became visible. That's why I told you how significant it is that when Abraham um, uh, turned backwards and looked behind him, there was the ram, a physical representation of a future event where the real Isaac, the real seed of Abraham, would be offered. It is exactly what he told his son. God will provide himself a lamb. And when God was providing the lamb for the whole world, directly overhead, <laughs> Aries was there, over Jerusalem. And it became visible because if you remember, God couldn't look at his son. Remember? We were told that the sun lost its light. There was a solar eclipse at that very time, and, and it made the visible arc of the heavens over Calvary visible and Aries became visible. And what's profound is it became visible with a dark black hole, 
the darkened sun where the lamb's heart would be. If you were to look in the sky, the sun was passing through and became eclipsed right where the heart of, of the lamb or the, or the ram in the sky is. That's what you would have seen. It gives much more meaning to what uh, the, <laughs> the Roman centurion said. They were very familiar with the stars. It was their legends. It was their mythology, right? They, they were all familiar with this kind of information. But it gives much more weight to what he said when Jesus gave up the ghost. And he said, truly, this was the Son of God. What did he see? He saw, <laughs> he saw the, the sun go out in the very heart of the ram. The light was extinguished where the lamb's heart would be, up above the sun, the Supreme Father. He had to turn away from the Son of God, right, the lamb? And there was dreadful emptiness left behind. If you remember, Jesus cried out earlier, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And in studying something uh, from a secular point of view, what happened at that exact time from NASA and all these other guys, that you can go study it yourself. They wrote this. They said, as Jesus died at the ninth hour at 3 p.m., whatever it is that shielded the sun now moves past it. NASA hypothesized it might have been an asteroid that was going by the sun, and, and it would have to compete with the moon in size in order to cover the sun so completely. But the moon on the opposite side of the Earth at the time, its counterbalance may mean that the Earth's orbit uh, would not be affected so much, although between the two poles, the gravitational pull, that might explain why there was great earthquakes that happened exactly at that time. If it is an asteroid, then its path would be affected, although obviously it is not captured. It would not be noticed since being between the sun and the earth, it reflected light. It would shine in the opposite direction. It is essential that the asteroid does move on because the sun's rays are necessary for the next celestial event that took place. And what they recorded was that after that three o'clock event that we just talked about, um, when Joseph of Arimathea like a, and, and Nicodemus went and asked Pilate if he could take the Lord's body down from the cross. Um, it's recorded by Josephus. It's recorded by the historians of the Romans as well. Um, and other others in the general era, the early church fathers, that another celestial event took place around that time as the sun was setting. Remember, it was a high Sabbath day. They had to get Jesus off the cross before the sun went down. He had to be buried on, on a Sabbath day because that's that was that high holy day in the, at the week of Passover where there was actually two Sabbaths that took place. And on that Sabbath day, uh, after that great celestial event where the sun was eclipsed and Aries appeared overhead and where the sun was, where if you were looking in the sky, you would see the, the outline of the ram in the sky and the sun being eclipsed would have appeared to those on the ground that the heart of, of the ram had gone out. It looked like there was a black hole in the sky. That's where the eclipse was happening. Once that passed over and Jesus had died and the sun began to darken and, and set and they had to hurry and get Jesus off the cross, what they saw in the next event was a blood moon. And you can read this. This is historical fact. A blood moon appeared in Jerusalem uh, on the day that the Lord was, was crucified. And, and it appeared between 5 p.m. and 8 p.m. that night. So that, again, brothers and sisters, 
That is what happened. And, and it was written. It was written in the stars. But now this brings us to today. Because whenever you hear things like this is an event you haven't seen in eight centuries, you better pay attention. Uh, because God is speaking. And he's always spoken to his children in the way that only God can talk. And he does it in such a way so that we'll pay attention and that the wise will understand. Not that we claim to be wise, for all wisdom is found and hidden in Jesus Christ. That, that's how you become wise. You search for Christ in the scriptures and you search for validation of the scriptures in the events themselves because the scriptures verify everything. And if you can't verify it with the scripture, then it ain't true. So we've laid these last four podcasts down in order to get to this, and that's where we are today. I believe that God is speaking, not trying to be melodramatic or anything. I'm just putting it out there. We're putting it out there for you. But uh, there's a conjunction about to take place in a few hours here. Hasn't been seen in 800 years. There's going to be two planets that are coming into conjunction. One is Jupiter. You've heard about it. Uh, which is known as the king planet, it made an appearance at the birth of Christ, remember? It also made an appearance when the Magi came to the house, and it entered into the house of of, of Coma, which is a very interesting thing. We talked about it on Friday. Coma is one of the side real pieces of the constellation of the Virgin. Coma is the picture of the woman holding a child in the house of the Virgo, or in the heaven, right? So when the, when they saw the sun moving into Coma, which is the Hebrew word for the desired one, which harkens back to Haggai's prophecy, if you think about it, the desire of all nations shall come. That's what he's referring to, the desired one in the heaven. And, and so when they come into the house and they find Jesus, this is the true Christmas star because they say it occurred on December the 25th, but Jesus was already about a year and a half old. Nonetheless, this celestial event did appear, but it was Jupiter in the house of Coma. And and it and it made such a brilliant display in the heavens. That's why they were rejoiced and were exceedingly glad. But when it says that they came into the house and they found the mother and the child, it's again God setting in the earth exactly the dominion that he proclaimed would occur in the heavens. So study that. It'll make you really happy like the wise men. So listen, <laughs> Jupiter, the king planet, <laughs> tonight at 4 o'clock. You've only got a little bit of time to see it uh, in this way. It'll never be like this again, but I believe something's being announced. The king planet is going to uh, come into conjunction with Saturn. And and Saturn is the planet. Uh, they're calling it the Christmas star, but we've already spent four programs proving to you why this isn't the Christmas star. It's just a lack of their understanding. But the true Christmas star, we've already looked at at length. But what this is appearing to say, the king planet, is coming into conjunction with Saturn. Now, in the ancient day, there were only five visible planets to the naked eye. It was Mercury, Venus, Mar uh, Earth, Mars, uh, and, and, and Saturn, and, and, uh, and Jupiter, I'm sorry. But these were the five major planets that were able to be seen. And, and so uh, I think Mercury, because it was so close to the sun, they couldn't see it or something like that. I, I forget what I read, but... Um, the point of the matter is, is that Saturn was considered to be the farthest away planet from the sun. And so in their understanding of that, they always attributed Saturn um, to to the planet of the devil or the wicked one, because it, his planet is farthest away from the light. 
That was what the ancients taught. And then as it came down through the years in Greek mythology and so forth and so on, uh, they attributed that planet to, to Kronos, the god of the underworld, right? And so what we're actually seeing moving through the heavens tonight is is the planet that represents the devil coming directly in conjunction with Jupiter, the king planet. Now, where it's coming to meet is very interesting. We've been talking to you about the constellations in heaven. Where it's rising into, and, and it'll only be for this short period of time, when it exits, it's coming out into another constellation. But the constellation it's rising into, it's going right into the head of what is called Capricorn, or Capricornus, actually. And what it what it means, what 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 it's actually a picture of in the sky, we call it the sea goat, because it's 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 mostly goat with a fish tail. And 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 the conjunction of the king planet Jupiter with the uh the the planet of the wicked one is coming into the head of the sea goat. He's part goat, part sea creature, which is very interesting. Because that is, those are the descriptions that are given in many places concerning the devil himself. He's that Leviathan in the sea, right? But he's also that Azazel, right? He's that scapegoat. He's that fallen goat. Yeah, even the symbol of, of Lucifer in, from ancient times up till now, the symbol of Baphomet, is the symbol of the goat, right? So what we see taking place tonight as we close out 2020 is that the king planet is going to come and display itself in a brilliant display not seen in 1800 years. But it just so happens that the timing of when this is taking place is taking place right in the head of the one that represents the goat and, and the Leviathan in the sky. And it's taking place today, December 21st, which just happens to be the winter solstice. So you have all of these these events happening simultaneously, something is being told to us. The king planet is conjoining in a great display that hasn't been seen in 800 years with the wicked one's planet, the devil's planet, Saturn. It's coming into the very head of the goat. And the interesting story that the ancients tell about this uh, goat is that it has, it has been wounded. They call it the broken horn. But when when it when it will rise again in the future, they called it the horn of plenty, or it will be reborn. So the fact that this is coming into the head of this sea goat in the sky, it could very well be that we're being told that that wicked one that's been prophesied, that Antichrist, the son of perdition, the king of the devil, so to speak, or, or the devil's son, if you will, is it, it, it's either being announced that he's he's being born or he's he's about to make his entrance on the world stage which is what i lean towards for 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 a lot of reasons which we don't have time to get into but i think that's exactly what's being announced he's already here i think the events of 2020 have proven out that this is anything but normal and that what we see taking place in this country right now all that's being fought over we go back and listen to our series on lions and eagles and the great global reset. That's why America is being fought over. 
it's it's being brought up under the influence of the bear, the leopard, and that coming little horn. It's all happening at the same time, and it all got set in motion in 2020. And and really, when 2020 began, if you go back and look at the star chart or the progression of the planets through the constellations, it actually began Jupiter and Saturn moving towards each other in January, precisely when 2020 began. And they're now coming together after a year-long trek through the skies, and they're meeting in the head of the sea goat or Capricornus in the sky, the one whose head was wounded but now comes back to life. That's what that, that, that whole ancient wisdom teaches us. And what God quite possibly is trying to tell us is that he is, he's allowing the wicked one to make an announcement. He's making his move as we close out 2020. But then there's the winter solstice. It's actually happening on the exact day, which I think in itself tells us something. Now, I'm talking to spiritual people who can compare spiritual things. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, go back and listen to the programs. Pray, study. Do what you got to do to get to this place where the Holy Spirit can uh, talk to you without you having to have, <laughs> you know, someone force feed these things to you. I'm moving right along. So listen, and I'm not I'm not beating anybody up. I'm just telling you, man, it's time to grow up. It's time to grow up. Uh, enough of this playing church stuff. I don't want to be around a bunch of people that don't have any clue and could care less. I know, and that's not our audience, right? I mean, we're talking to people out there that are serious. You sense something's happening. That's who we're talking to. You're on the front lines of this spiritual battle that's taking place right now. Everything is being reworked, and something is being proclaimed to us right now. Now, the winter solstice, understand, it, it, it's <laughs> in a 12-month period, there's the spring uh, and, and then the winter solstice, right? The, the winter solstice is the shortest day, and it's the longest night. Now, all these events we've been talking about are taking place on the winter solstice, the shortest day followed by the longest night. And, and if we take spiritual things with spiritual things and the other conjunction we're talking about, the king planet conjoining with the, with the devil's planet in the head of the sea goat on the day that signifies the shortest day and the longest night. What's being told is quite possibly that, that our light is, is coming to a close. The light is closing. We have but a short time. There's just a little bit of light left before the world is going to be plunged into its darkest night. The son of perdition is about to make an appearance. Let me tell you something. There are two very interesting prophecies from the ancient world I came across in my studies. Uh, one of them is <laughs> actually uh, one of the oldest prophecies in the world. Uh, it was given in Babylon in about 2800 BC. And I just want to read this to you. It says, one of the oldest references to a particular constellation which so happens to be Capricornus. That's what we were just talking about, the, the, the sea goat. Uh, it's supposed to have come from the records of Sargon, the founder of the first Semitic empire of Babylon, coincidentally, right? About 2,800 BC. And what it foretold was the destruction of our world in the future by fire whenever the five naked eye planets could be seen. Mercury, Venus, Mars, and listen to this, and Jupiter and Saturn gather in the sign of Capricornus. 
That's an old prophecy from Babylon found in the records of Sargon, the founder of the first Semitic empire of Babylon. Now, it's not scripture, but I'm just reading it to you because I find it incredibly interesting. They prophesied the coming of, of fire judgment on the planet when you see Jupiter and Saturn conjoined into Capricornus, which is what we're seeing tonight. And they spoke of the other three planets, Mercury, Venus, and Mars. We don't have time to get into it, but go study it. Where is Mars located? Where is Venus located? Where is Mercury located? We know where Jupiter and Saturn is. And, and you'll find Mars is in Pisces, Venus is in Scorpio, and Mercury is in Sagittarius. Now, don't get all freaked out. We're not talking about astrology. Again, I don't want to have to go over this a million times. It's the Mazarot. It's the ancient things that are written in the sky. It's what he talked to Job about. It's what Jacob did. It's what Abraham did, Isaac, all of them. They knew. Jesus told us, you'll see signs in the sun and the moon and the stars. And then there's this other prophecy, which is very interesting, and, and I want to talk just briefly about it, because this prophecy was given in, uh, in 40 B.C., just a few years before Jesus was born. It's known as the fourth Ecologue of Virgil. And, and you know I got a lot of time on my hand when I can quote to you from Virgil's fourth Ecologue. But anyway, moving right along. <laughs> so, what I found fascinating about this was that uh, this was adopted by Constantine in the third century and moved into the lexicon of the Catholic Church. But when I dug deeper into this Virgil's fourth Ecologue, which is a series of poems that were written by this uh, shaman kind of guy, uh, but he's heralded as, as a pagan prophet and absorbed into the Catholic Church as a righteous Gentile, which is a bunch of garbage, by the way. Um, he wrote this poem, and I, I was reading it the other day and, and reading it again today. Um, it, it's a mythical event that he predicts. Now, check this out. Um, and it was constructed by Virgil. It's a historical event. But really, as I read into it and did some research on it, I found out that this guy Virgil, he actually stole what you're about to hear uh, from from an oracle at Ap at the Temple of Apollonia in Babylon. Again, another prophecy coming out of Babylon, right? From the Temple of Apollo, the same place that that uh, that uh, Alexander the Great would go seek information. These oracles were called sibyls, right? So anyway, uh, apparently Virgil was there and, and, and read these things that were given by Sybil. And then he kind of like, he was like the Joe Biden of his day, right? He plagiarized it and took credit for it himself. But that's for another day. So listen, <laughs> this is what he writes. He said, justice will return. It will return old Saturn's reign. It will return with a new breed of men sent down from heaven. And at the boy's birth, the golden race will arise. Listen to this. The, the reign of Saturn, a paradise from which mankind has fallen, a divine boy will be sent from heaven. And he'll return mankind to his paradise and this is why they tried to like incorporate it into the lexicon of the Catholic church because they're saying well he's talking about christ no pagan is talking about christ he got this from a from a 
from a temple prostitute high on drugs. She wrote this. And she's talking about Saturn, which is the devil's planet, right? And she's saying in connection with Saturn is some divine boy that's coming down from heaven. And he's going to restore a paradise. Well, listen to what else she goes on to say this boy will be like. He's going to receive the life of the gods, plural. Which harkens, as I was thinking about it, to Genesis 6, where it talks about the sons of God, right? The Elohim of God. That's the same word. He's going to receive life from the Elohim, the sons of God. She calls them heroes. And then she uses this phrase, with God commingling with this child and himself. That sounds like Daniel's prophecy, right? They shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. Now listen. So he shall receive the life of the gods. He shall see heroes with gods commingling and himself be seen of them. And with his father's worth, he will reign over the world of peace. Now, what I was thinking about was that's exactly what the Bible predicts about the Antichrist. He will first appear as one who brings peace. They're attributing this child as being a child of the heavens that comes from Saturn. And how they spoke of him, you know, thousands of years ago. Uh, and, and he has this he has this character. This will blow you away, brothers. I know this will. He, uh, he is as the Assyrian and the spices of spring. What does that sound like? That ain't, that ain't talking about Jesus. <laughs> Jesus ain't no Assyrian. <laughs> the Assyrian is what Isaiah called the Antichrist, right? Yeah. And then this is what it says. Now, this is really what got to me when I was reading this thing. And it's a long poem, but I just put took out some highlights and said, this is talking about the Antichrist. He will assume his greatness as time draws near. Dear child of the gods, you are the great progeny of Jove. So this poem, poem predicts when the child comes or will begin to announce himself being mingled with uh, an other-than-worldly seed, so to speak, uh, you will have Saturn be reestablished in the earth, which is the planet of the devil, and he is the he's the son of Jove. Jove is the ancient word that that is used, which is Jupiter. That's another word for Jupiter. You can Google it; it's not you know a state secret. And so she was predicting this demon possessed woman that Virgil took credit for her poem that there was coming one in the latter days. That, that one of the identifying marks would be Saturn and Jove or Jupiter coming together, that this child that would rise up out of the earth was actually going to be a, a part human, part mingled with the seed of the gods, and, and that when he comes, the world uh, will, will shake the earth and the wide ocean and the vault profound, and all will see and be enraptured by this child at the time of his coming. So <laughs> I just threw that in there because I found it incredibly fascinating that this predicted Saturn-Jupiter conjunction goes all the way back, quite possibly, to the earliest days of the earliest uh, writings of the Semitic tribes of, of Babylon and, and Sargon, their king. Some would even call him quite possibly, uh, uh, that's another name for who Nimrod was. 
And in these prophecies, whether they're Virgil's, uh, you know, plagiarized poetry of, of the Oracle of Apollonia, or <laughs> or whether it's the, uh, you know, the predicted uh, the predicted prophecies of of, uh, of of the other ancients, this wicked one has been foretold. And, and and we are seeing that conjunction tonight in the skies. So what are you saying, Brother Marty? What is that saying to us? I think what we're witnessing right now, brothers and sisters, and as we head forward, as we're closing out this year, unless God intervenes at this point, plain and simple, there will be no stay of execution for this country. A great global reset is coming. The bear is already... Uh, swiping its brass nails across the planet. Um, the leopard is already in place. That's the great global surveillance state. What comes next in the next few months and, and, and quite possibly sooner than we think will be what the heaven seems to be declaring to us right now as we close out this year of 2020. And that is that a king of, of satanic origin is about to be uh, brought forth as the stage has been cleared on the planet in the not too many distant days from now. What is ahead of us is 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 very very um, a long dark night. It's the winter solstice. Remember, there's a short day. It's the shortest day of the year, followed by the longest night of the year. I believe God is telling His children, "You better prepare." It's time, like he wrote in Isaiah, I think, where he says, Come away, my children, and enter into thy chambers and shut the door behind you until the indignation be overpassed. For the Lord is coming. He said, Well, where's the, where's the hope in all this? And I said, Well, if you actually go study what we're talking to you about, what you're going to see is that even though Jupiter and Saturn are conjoining on the winter solstice in the head of the goatfish, which is all very symbolic of the devil, um, there's something coming up right behind it. And it's the constellation of Orion, the mighty hunter. And, and I believe that what God is saying to us is, yes, there's but a short time. You remember what Jesus said? We must do work while it is yet day for the night is coming when no man can work. So while we yet have this daylight, let's get serious, brothers and sisters. But what we have is the promise of the written, manifested will in the heavens. Yeah, this crazy old goat guy's coming, so what? The truth of the matter is, is right behind him. Suddenly, the words that God gave to Job in chapter 38, when he asked him that question, can you lose the bands of Orion? And what he was talking about was his son, Jesus. He's the picture of Orion. He's the mighty hunter when you go look at the ancient uh, depictions of what the ancients saw in the gospel and the stars. Orion is is uh, is is got his bow aimed directly at the devil in the sky. <laughs> so the fact that this is happening right now, it could very well be telling us: yes, the light is going out, a dark night is ahead, but right behind it, the mighty hunter is coming to destroy that wicked one. Jesus told us. There will be signs in the heavens. We've done our best to explain them to you and to give you what we believe is coming. Question is, are you paying attention? Even so, Lord, return quickly. Bless your people. Great and mighty 
is the Lord our God. Great and mighty is he. King David said, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. God bless. Amen. What a tremendous uh, layout today in this podcast. We pray that you've been blessed. And always in our heart is, is what, what the Apostle Paul told us too about knowing the time. Knowing. Knowing the time that we that we are in in in, in the book of Romans thirteen eleven that it is high time to awake out of sleep for now is our salvation near and when we believed yeah. I pray that your senses have been um, uh, you know awakened and as we continue to understand through the Word of God the serious times that we are in but filled with hope. Not fear, hope that Jesus Christ is coming again soon. I pray you join us tomorrow as we continue our study in the Word. We pray that you have a blessed day. Keep your eyes open. Look, take a peek. And you'll be seeing today's phenomenon with a different light, with the light of the Word of God. May God bless you. May God keep you. And as always, keep looking up.